Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm very excited to be talking about one of my favorite Marian apparitions, the apparition received in Lourdes, France, by St. Bernadette Subaru. And if you plan on making a Lenten journey with Mother Mary this Lent with my book of that same title from Sophia Institute Press, you will hear many of my own stories of, and experiences of being in Lourdes. In fact, the whole schema of the book was inspired by a pilgrim that I had lunch with uh, right before I was leaving one day. And uh, she shared with me all about her pilgrimages throughout Europe and uh, her intention at each site, which then kind of became the model of each week. And she was in Lourdes looking for healing. And so that is one of the weeks in a Lenten journey with Mother Mary, how we can ask Our Lady to obtain those healing graces from her son for us. And Lourdes is a place of healing. There have been medically verified healings, but then also there are healings that just happen every day in the common experiences of confession and the restoration of friendships and so many others. And so today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Marlene Watkins, who is the founder of the Our Lady of Lourdes Hospitality North American Volunteers and the first Lourdes Hospitality outside Europe and the first of the Americas. And so she's been a volunteer. She's led hundreds of pilgrimages to Lourdes, and she's a wonderful person, I think, that we can talk about Lourdes with today as we discuss her book, Everyday Miracles of Lourdes. So thanks so much, Marlene, for taking time to speak with me today. Thank you, Father. We're always happy to talk about Lourdes and great to talk to somebody that knows Lourdes and understands what a grace this is that's available to us and just waiting for us to come and receive it. Yeah, you know, I love all of Mary's apparitions. I'm an expert on the apparition in Champion, Wisconsin. And so uh, I talk a lot about that one. But Lourdes is another favorite topic of mine. And on this podcast, it's probably between Lourdes and Fatima that we always revisit. And I don't think we can ever tire talking about these apparition sites, that there can always be something new that we take away from uh, a new conversation with someone else based upon their own experiences uh, with Lourdes. And as we begin our conversation today, uh, talking about that apparition and your own experience uh, being a part of the Our Lady of Lourdes Hospitality and the North American Volunteers, uh, I'm just curious, where and when did your passion for the Lourdes apparition start and where did it come from? Well, I think that I'm a rather typical Catholic. That I did not go to Catholic schools, um, but I I just thought of, you know, like Lourdes was like a place over in Europe when my best friend had her business card plucked out of a fishbowl and she won tickets anywhere in Europe. She said she wanted to go to Lourdes. And I said, I love that story with the three little children. Well, that's Fatima, different country, different uh, century, different message, but it's the same lady, different dress. So is my expression for that. So I, I think that I've encountered so many people who tell me the same thing. And, um, you know, after a while of, of knowing and loving Lords, I would be a little frustrated that people didn't know it. And I had to remember and recall, I myself didn't know. You can see how hard God's worked on this uh, for me to have such a devotion to Our Lady of Lords. But I think that's really more common than we realize that people think of these Marian apparitions as 
Um, they kind of blend together. They're far away. That's why I love, you know, what you were mentioning earlier, Champion, Wisconsin, that um, in Our Lady of Guadalupe. And of course, that was probably the big model and comparative model, Our Lady of Guadalupe, for the other apparitions that were to follow. And France, being the eldest daughter of the church, there are just so many um, places where Our Lady has appeared. And I think that Lourdes, though, is probably the most famous of those. It's the most visited Marian shrine in Europe. So for me, I had to really learn everything about Lourdes. But, you know, when something so strikes you and it's so profound, um, I just, I still, I'm still fascinated to learn more. Um, every time I go to Lourdes, I'm speaking to you from Nevers, where St. Bernadette is. I'm in the convent here. And really, to know Lourdes, you have to know Bernadette. So that's uh, that's one that's one key there that's been helpful to me. So one of my experiences when I went to Lourdes, uh, I actually uh, went on a research pilgrimage, and that was my first trip to Lourdes. Um, it was a byproduct. I was actually researching. So the apparition and champion for many many years has been known as Our Lady of Good Help, Notre Dame de Bon Secours, and so I was going to Europe to visit the basilicas of Our Lady of Good Help, which are distinct from this Marian apparition. So I was really looking at the historical title of Our Lady. So I had this trip to France all planned out, and I was a parish priest in Oshkosh at the time. And there's a young girl, she was a, a high school student, and she had a terminal cancer, really. And uh, she had a brain tumor, I believe, uh, a tumor on her leg, uh, just lots of cancer. And her dream was always to go to Lourdes. And so her parents said, you're going to France, aren't you? What could, you know, could we come with? Could the dad, could the, could the daughter make this little pilgrimage, ask for the healing graces, whatnot. And so uh, we traveled all over France. We went to the basilicas I wanted to go to. And then we also um, went to other sites. It's like, you're in France, you might as well go to other places. So we're driving to Ars, France, and Navarre, Navarre was not, not on our radar to go to at all. But we're driving to Ars, and all of a sudden there's Navarre. And I'm like, oh, that's where St. Bernadette, that's where she is buried. That's where her incorrupt body is. But And they're like, can we go there? I'm like, no, no, we have mass scheduled in Ars, France. We can't go to Navarre because we have the altar reserved. And so... So I call, I call ours and I'm like, um, would it be possible to move our mass? And they're like, well, actually, we don't have you booked for mass, but we will be happy to accommodate you when you arrive. So, yes, you can go to Nevers first and then make it to ours. So so I did make it uh, to pray in front of uh uh, Bernadette's incorrupt body. And and uh, that was such a beautiful thing in the United States just recently, the tour of her relics. And uh, I was able to preach one of the masses in the Diocese of Green Bay uh, uh, on Bernadette and my experience of Lourdes. And so, um, yeah, that's a very special place. Uh, so, uh, what do you find interesting about Bernadette? So she's this, this uneducated girl. One of the priests, uh, his name was Father Tom, that was one of the confessors in Lourdes for many years. He always would say that Our Lady came and was the catechist for Bernadette, that uh, that Mary prepared Bernadette for her first Holy Communion. So uh, what's your biggest takeaway from the life of Bernadette since you're in Nevers? It's, um, well, they, as, as a matter of fact, the Holy Fathers, different popes have called Lourdes the um, the school of Mary. And it's really, and that, of course, she was the catechist because back at the time of Bernadette, 
you had to be able to read and recite the catechism to make your first Holy Communion. And Bernadette, like 50% of the children in France after the French Revolution, she couldn't read and write. And so they wouldn't let her make her Holy Communion. It was her, you know, just desire for the Holy Eucharist that really brings her back to it be in the place that Our Lady comes to meet her. And um, it, I think when we, we look at that, that, uh, you know, the, she then goes on to have these apparitions with Our Lady, and the priest lets her make her Holy Communion, saying that the mother, you know, the Mother of God taught her all she needs to know. They didn't, they didn't need her to be studying out of a book. What she learned, you know, it's really profound. Even the simple thing, you know, the sign of the cross, and um, she says she tries to make the sign of the cross beautifully like Our Lady, with all of her heart, slowly calling on the three persons and one God. She says later in her life, if we could pray that one prayer well, we could go to heaven. And so I think the simplicity of Bernadette, she takes something that we do every day, we almost take it for habit. Sometimes it, it becomes habitual, like a, it looks like more like eternity than the sign of the cross that's in the book, and just how profound that prayer is. So she takes the um, the ordinary and shows us the extraordinary in it in a very simple way. I think what strikes me most about Bernadette is her simplicity. We live in a complex world. We make things complicated. We, you know, I, I, that's, I, I'm the worst at that. You know, you just, we put on too many moving parts to everything. She just keeps it very, you know, stripped down to the core of, of the authentic um, gift or grace that God wants us to have. So for me, I just think that's, that draws me to Bernadette is her, her simplicity, her humility, and her her strength. She's, you know, she's a little powerhouse. I mean, they were really, really tough um, interrogating Bernadette and questioning Bernadette. And she she always um, stayed true to exactly what her mission was. She didn't add anything to what Our Lady said. She didn't have to take away anything. It was, she was, she was, she did a good job. That's what Our Lady called her to, um, to be a little secretary there and and she was a good one. So I, I, I appreciate her her beauty, her simplicity, and her um, humility. I think those are, for me, the most, that capture me the most. You've spent a lot of time in Lourdes, and so you know the story of Bernadette very well. And uh, you've been able to witness every day, probably, as you've been there, uh, you know, to participate in the processions, to see the pilgrims going into the Pacines, you know, all of these things. And I'm just wondering, how have you seen the power of God really at work in Lourdes through the intercession of Mary? It's a wonderful question, Father. And as you know, having been a confessor there, I think what for me, what I've it's been most profound is that people who who have come to Lourdes through the intercession of Our Lady of Lourdes and Bernadette, it has changed the way they live their life here. And for for many, it has changed the way they will live in the other world because it has brought them to God or brought them closer to God. And although Lourdes is a Marian shrine, it's a Christocentric sanctuary. Everything there is Christ-centered. If we look at the statue of Our Lady, when you first come in the big gate of Saint Michel, Saint Michael's Gate, the first thing we encounter is the statue of Jesus Christ. It's it, it's not a statue of Our Lady. And when you look, she's facing the basilica. It's like a Come follow me. You know, to, to, she brings you right to the church. The two processions each day, the candlelight procession goes right to the doors of the church facing the tabernacle behind the doors. And the Eucharistic procession in the afternoon, we're following the Eucharist into the church. So everything she does focuses there. 
that for some people, you know, the crucifix is even hard. It's 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 we we know if we especially if we have an awareness of our of our sinfulness, you know, mom's easy. She's you know, lots of times you you run to your mom when you want something <laughs> instead of going to your dad, or dad says no, you go to your mom. So there's something about that maternal um love and tenderness that we can be there, especially if we're hurting or wounded in any way, if we're away from God, if we're trying to find our way, if we're lost, you know, that's what the good mother's there for. And it's a gentle way um, to find the grace we're in greatest need of. And I, I really come to believe, Father, that we don't know what that is, that there's, we can think we know what that grace that we need the most, but, and maybe as confessors, you might know, but we ourselves, it's like being your own physician, probably not a good idea. So going there and asking for whatever grace we need and, and nobody goes empty handed. And I just really believe that people that change the way they live their life, they return to the church, they, or they enter the church, they, they live a holy life because of their experience at Lord or Lord's, or they they die in a state of grace or they die in the grace of the sacraments. It's, it's, it's eternity. I mean, it's, it's profound. I mean, it's just extraordinary, but yet it happens every day at Lord's. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say sometimes we don't even know the graces that we need. And, and that was really one of the points that our lady brought out at Ruta Bach to Catherine Labore. She said that one hand are the graces people ask for, and the other hand are the graces that people don't ask for. And so sometimes there are those graces that we're not even mindful of, but yet God wants to give them to us, especially through the hands of our lady. And one of my experiences as an auxiliary confessor, uh, time and again, I would always kind of get the sense that uh, basically people come, of course, because of the grotto. They've heard the story of Our Lady of Lourdes. They want to, they just want to be there. They might not even be religious people, but they've been drawn there by Our Lady. But then what happens is people will go to the grotto, they'll pray there, and then they feel this sense that they need to go to confession. And so it's Our Lady leading them uh, to that healing that occurs in the sacrament of reconciliation. So so it's like they come for Mary and she says, no, no, I want you to go to my son, Jesus. And so that was very beautiful what you said about the Christocentrism of uh, the apparition of Our Lady of Lourdes. It is. And, you know, you were talking about the relics tour because we were we were the ones who asked the sanctuary for the relics of Bernadette to come to the United States. It had three years of planning then COVID came and, you know, all the time it took, you know, to travel across the country uh, with the relics. And it was such a privilege and to see so many people flock to Bernadette, people who are not necessarily Catholic too, people who know the song of Bernadette from years ago, or they, they love Bernadette and her story. So I think that we're drawn in different ways in different places, drawn to the grotto, drawn to Lord's water. And by the way, father, if anybody wants any Lord's water, that's listening to you and they can't get to the grotto, they can just go www.lordsvolunteers.org. We're looking up and call our phone number. It's 315-476-0026. And we will send you Lord's water. And it's the pure water from the spring. And uh, miracles happen from this water and it's a grace. So, but I mean, I think there's all these different ways God's appealing to us. He's using all of our senses through, you know, making the physical journey to go to Lords or praying to Our Lady of Lords or honoring Bernadette's relics when they came across the U.S. or asking for Lord's water. There's all these different ways that, to come to the grace in or to come to the awareness that we even need a grace. I mean, um, you know, I think there's some of us that it's like there, it would be like there's all these Christmas presents under the tree and we don't even realize 
there's a tree or there's presence. I mean, there's these graces are waiting and God wants to give it to us. So just for the asking. Well, it's very interesting that you mentioned the Lourdes water as well. And I uh, actually, because any pilgrim always brings back lots of Lourdes water mm -hmm. they put in their suitcase. And I, I've used it, especially when there were people in dire need of healing. I've given little bottles to people and, and I bless people. Uh, and for whatever reason, one summer uh, I had... I had a few young people like, you know, I don't know, sixth graders, whatever. And they all had like this growth plate injury. So they were playing baseball. They hurt their growth plate. The one kid hurt maybe, I don't know, uh, his femur or whatever. Uh, the one kid needed surgery. So I blessed him with the Lourdes water. And he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, I have no idea how you don't need surgery but you are, you no longer need it. And so that story reached another kid that broke his growth plate during the summer. And he wasn't even Catholic. He was Lutheran. And, <laughs> and he said, I want to be blessed with the loony water. That's what he said. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so they came over and I blessed the kid with the loot, not the loony water, but with the Lourdes water. And, uh, <laughs> and so that kid goes back. He was going to need surgery. Doesn't need surgery. Another kid, uh, put a pitch foot, uh, a pitchfork in his foot, was maybe facing amputation, blessed his foot with the Lourdes water, and it completely healed. And so I've seen the powerful graces uh, that happen when you uh, use this Lourdes water, when you invoke Mary's intercession, when you have that faith in the healing nature of it. So, so it's something I've seen firsthand. And it, well, I think that in this book that we're talking about, Everyday Miracles, there's the scientifically unexplained cures that we see in the sanctuary that go through that exhaustive process. And then the, it's the church who says it's a miracle because they don't teach miracles in medical school. That's a, not a scientific word. It's the church who has the authority to say that that's from the hand of God. And then there's these other ones like you've described. It, you know, they could go through the medical process, but they'd have to be a life threatening, you know, really grave, serious um, disease or a situation for it to pro proceed through. But that doesn't make that any less of a, a, a miracle to those three boys. And, you know, especially that's that's an impression on them at a young age to know throughout their lifetime that they, that that, that loony water, that Lord's water, as they, whatever they call it, that that was something that gave them a healing from God. And they'll never forget that. Because I often think when we share the message of Lords and virtual pilgrimages in schools and they're young, I think someday they're going to remember that they heard this story about Lords, that they're going to want that Lord's water and they're going to, it's going to help in their faith. And I really believe it does. And, you know, we shouldn't feel bad if we want to see these miracles because in the gospels, they wanted to see them. And the people who didn't believe one of them, an apostle, you know, so he says, hey, let me put my hands on this wound before I believe. Well, if we feel that way, let me go, go find out if these are real miracles. Don't feel bad. You could be the next apostle. You could be the next great St. Thomas. You just need to go to Lourdes and meet a miracle and, you know, see the evidence, look at the x-rays and know that they're real. It's the Gospels fast forwarded today happening every day at Lourdes. It's really incredible. So your book, Everyday Miracle of Lourdes, uh, retells basically 21 everyday miracles that you've seen, that stories that you relate. And so uh, which one of those maybe is, is a very powerful one, one that uh, has touched a lot of people as you've shared it? 
Well, you know, in the book, there's a picture of each person. They're real people. It's in our time. These things are in the last, you know, 20 years. Um, and every one of them is so different. Each story has nothing to do with the next other than they have a few commonalities. One is everyone in this book was very humbled by the grace they received. That was one thing that just was struck me that every single one of them was deeply humbled that God had touched their lives in such a profound way. Um, and I think, in, and, and they also, none of them were, you know, expecting the great grace that they received other than there's one woman in, in the chapter who just believes she doesn't um, presume. She just believes that if you come that far, the mother of God surely is going to help you with whatever you need the most. So there wasn't a, qualifier on there of what she had to get just that she knew she was going to get what she needed and that happened um i you know to to look at all of them and it, you know it's it's like asking a mom to fix ask her you know fix would choose which one's her favorite baby but you know they they're so different that everything there's something in that book that'll appeal to everyone everything in that book is true so for you know there's one woman it really strikes me as you know, she she'd had an abortion when she was 15. She was forced to it by her mother, and uh, who thought she was doing something good for her. Uh, who she she was a born out of wedlock herself, so she didn't want that for her grandbaby and her daughter. And she she forced her daughter so much she pulled her hair out of her head, ripping her into the um, to get the abortion. And she said that I always had a hole in me. She wasn't a Catholic. She always had this hole in me. Nothing filled it. She did get counseling. She did go do all the things that you know, that, that are good to be done. She eventually converted, became a Catholic. She knew then she's baptized. She knew that was before she knew she, you know, she, the, the faculties of a mortal sin that she wasn't her choice, but that didn't fill the hole until she came to Lords as a volunteer, not even to go for herself. And she, she was just in awe of this. She said a liquid grace filled this hole. And that's the name of her chapter. So and she, when I called and asked her, would you consider if this could be written in this book? Um, she had to tell her family the story. She has grown children and asked them if they'd be comfortable. She's very shy and reserved. Uh, and she said, I, I just can't hide this grace because I measured my life from the day before I went to Lourdes and the day after. It was just, that's the apex of her life is that, that finally filling that hole and she said, I believe there are other women who suffer from this that nobody knows about. They don't tell anybody about. And they need to know that this grace is there. And that is completely different than some of the other experiences. And there's a man in Hurricane Katrina screams into 135 mile an hour wind. Save me from that help. You know, he needs to be he needs help. He's not going to make it. I mean, it's just it, it, she she helps him. So I think there's that intercession. There's, you know, a people away from the church and how they came back through the grace of lords it's just their each story is so different i don't know I, it, there's just there's just no way to explain which one would it would be the profound moment of reading or knowing for somebody who's suffering from that because there's there's always something that's happening in everybody's life that either wounds them or hurts them or they suffer from it and this is a book where you can find somewhere in here what relates to you that's great and uh, so all of these people have some connection to Lourdes. Uh, I'm sure many of them have gone to Lourdes, and perhaps there's even a story or two, I'm not sure, uh, about maybe someone who didn't make it to Lourdes, but yet somehow that grace of Lourdes touched them or impacted them. But 
What would be a, a reason? Why do you tell people they should go to Lourdes? So, so someone listening, they've thought about going, maybe they haven't committed to going. Like, how would you try to convince someone that they need to make a pilgrimage to Lourdes? Well, you know, Bernadette didn't have an appointment to go see Our Lady. She just felt a mysterious pull to go each time of the apparitions. The first time she just goes and, you know, she's going there for a purpose. She's looking for wood um, so you can sell it and get some bread or practical burn it and have a fire and be warm because it's cold in February. The other time she feels a pull. So lots of times people feel a pull. And I jokingly say sometimes, you know, if you felt the pull to come here, maybe some of the husbands or children felt a little nudge to get here from a parent or someone who loves them. Um, so that's part of that equation. So we're not ever trying to make anyone go to Lourdes. We're always inviting people and making it possible, especially people who are in kidney dialysis or on ventilators or oxygen concentrators or infusion therapy. They think well, they cannot go. Well, yes, you can. These medical volunteers come. We stay in a hospital bed facility right across from the grotto um, where Pope John Paul II stayed. And there, everybody comes and volunteers to care for the people so that it makes it possible. Um, and I think that making that known that you can go, making it, and we have a fund called Andrea's Wish that sponsors people who, you know, so many people that are sick, Father, they've already exhausted all their finances on their medical care, maybe. So, um, or they're out of work, of course. So, it, it just to know them that the opportunity is possible, that um, everything you need to get there can can be accomplished. And if you feel the, feel the pull, or if you you want to know, or you just need something, then take the chance and take the plunge, take the opportunity, and and go there. And I I, I haven't met anybody who regret, regrets that they went. Um, there's, there's, our, nobody leaves empty handed. There's always something. Um, but there's some people who actually don't ever go that that's why we have the virtual pilgrimage. We bring Lords to your parish. We bring it to your, to, to the prison because they certainly can't go to the schools. So it's bringing the message of Lords to people who aren't getting on the plane to travel. And that, you know, a lot of people tell us that's just as profound for them to have Lords come to them instead of them go to Lords. Yeah, and that's an interesting point you bring out. And that was actually my next question was, you know, how how can a person who maybe can't financially afford it or whatever, um, just they can't make it to Lourdes. Maybe they have a fear of flying. I know someone that will never step foot on a plane. And so they'll, they're never going to go to Europe. They're never going to experience some of the things that I've been able to experience, mm -hmm. you've been able to experience. And, and uh, so you mentioned the virtual pilgrimage. I know that Lourdes, they have this wonderful um, webcam. You can go to YouTube anytime. And I do this probably once, twice a week. I'll click on and I will uh, pray a rosary, you know, uh, from my computer, uh, looking at the grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes. Or I'll join uh, a lot of times the Italian rosary is about like 1030 central time. So I'll uh, join in on that or, or whatever. So um, I, I feel like I can participate in the life of Lourdes, even though here I am in uh, Wisconsin. So, um, and then the other thing that I've noticed, and maybe you could speak a little bit about this, because in Lourdes, the, the quintessential moment, maybe I think of prayer is before the grotto, maybe it's in the, in the piscines going into the baths, but uh, when you pray in front of the grotto, there, there's something very special about that moment. And um, the grotto, in my opinion, 
has been replicated, right? So my parish here has an outdoor Lourdes Grotto. You can go to Notre Dame. There's a Lourdes Grotto. Go to EWTN. There's a there's Lourdes Grottos everywhere. There's statues of Our Lady of Lourdes. And I think like that can almost be a pilgrimage in and of itself. You can't go to Lourdes. Well, then visit one of these other grottos. Because in my opinion, I see it as kind of like a participation in the Lourdes Grotto. And I look at why were they built? I think they were built. You know, There's one in, in Detroit that was built because the pastor went to Lourdes, France. And then he had a powerful experience and he wanted to replicate it and to help his people to share it that wouldn't be able to go there. So I think that's one of the purpose of the Lourdes Grottos. Am I kind of off base there? No, you're you're right on target that the, the grotto replicas were built around the world uh, for people who wouldn't be able to make the travel. And if we think about it, 100 more years ago, that would have been a ship. It would have been you know, much more arduous and lengthy and expensive. So these grotto replicas are built. And um, actually, we were the technical advisors to the one down in um, Hansville to help them with the the measurements. And the priest from France came with us and helped them with um, that plan and design. And uh, by the way, miracle number eight, there's 70 official miracles of Lourdes. Miracle number eight, um, Pierre de Ruder or Peter de Ruder, um, he was cured at a Lourdes grotto replica in Belgium. He never went to, to France. He never went to Lourdes. So um, I think they're a beautiful way for people to have that experience, a little bit of a touchstone between um, where they are and uh, over to the uh, you know to Lourdes, France. So um, and to still have the processions and, uh, you know, and some grottos are just absolutely close to what the grotto is here. But you're right there, Father, there's something special about praying in the grotto. Now, if a person does want to go on a pilgrimage to Lourdes, if they want to have one of these everyday miracles that you talk about in your book uh, and have that experience in Lourdes, uh, for me, I, I travel a lot by myself. I know how to maneuver airports and do the transfer. So like typically I'll fly to Charles de Gaulle, I'll take the bus transfer, I go to Orly, and then I fly into Lourdes. So that's that's my route. I do that. But do you recommend people trying to make this pilgrimage on their own or is it better to go with a group so that everything is organized themselves or uh, for them uh, by someone else? That's a really good question because there, there are people like you, they're able-bodied, they're young, they're experienced travelers and people ask us for information, you know, how do we get there? What place do we Mistake, and we give them information so that they can make the best decision of how to get there. Um, there are different ways. Some people take the train from Paris. Some people fly into Po, which is just an, a city about 40 minutes away from Lourdes. But then you don't have to leave Charles de Gaulle and go to Orly, which some people would find that transfer, you know, you know, more complicated than they're, if they're not an experienced traveler. But if someone is sick or they're not comfortable to make international travel on their own, um, there are, of course, you know, all kinds of um, travel and tour agencies, Catholic tour companies, they come and they stay in hotels. They do, you know, wonderful um, experience of organizing the travel. But if someone wants to come as a volunteer to help the sick, and that's often the way that a lot of people come and then find a grace. They don't, they're not coming to get a grace for themselves, but they that's the gift they receive. Um, or if someone's sick or their family member is sick in any way from quadriplegia, like we mentioned, to kidney dialysis to ventilators, uh, 
you know, with suction machines. I mean, we we take people with very complex medical issues. If it's that's their risk and knowledge to know what it is to take that travel and they're aware and that's what they want to do, then we put a medical team together to make that happen. And then we we all fly together with the leaders and the volunteers and the medical teams and we stay in the hospital bed facility so that they're right inside the grotto. We can go to the that we go to the grotto any time of day or night um, because we're right there looking, we're looking over the grotto. So I, it depends on what the needs are of the person. And you were really right, Father, that some people are comfortable with that kind of travel, but other people are reluctant. They need an organized group and a leader to help guide them. You know, I've gone to other um, shrines and sanctuaries, and um, I've really come to realize that having someone guide you, um, you know, I know a lot of hunters, they're great hunters, but they, you know, they, they need a guide if they go, you know, in, in, into a, you know, different kind of hunting experience. Or it's the same thing with, like you go to a museum and you can go there on your own. You could even get little earbuds or something. You can take a little booklet with you. But having a guide that explains to you about that art or that artist, having a guide that takes you and explains to you because they have that knowledge, it just enriches that experience and makes it easier. Um, so I, I think for some people that's a necessity and for some people that's a luxury that they just want to have that. And for some, it's not a necessity. So I think it, it depends, um, depends on the person and, you know, what their needs are and what their expectations are. So it's, um, it's really up to that person in which way that they're called. And like you said, for some people financially, they need the sponsorship of like something like Andrea's Wish or, they're happy to have virtual pilgrimage come to their parish or their area so they can experience Lords in a different way at home and not make that travel. And you're right. There's people that are never going to fly father. That's there are people that are never going to leave our country. So there's, there's a way to have that Lord's experience. Uh, you have been to Lourdes many, many times you're in France right now. So, um, is there any other place in France, maybe unrelated to Lourdes, that you would say, you must go to this place? Any must-see must places? Oh, well, immediately, I think right away of Budabach, I think of the Miraculous Metal. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a very special place. Um, Sacre-Cœur is another. And those are, of course, in Paris that are famous. Uh, Saint-Jean-Rivienne, the Curie of Ars. Um, I think there's, you know... France is filled with so many holy sanctuaries. Our lady has appeared so many times here. Um, I really think it's her favorite place, um, you know, just by the number of apparitions here. But there's there's so much, so so much enriched um, places by the different saints and especially the Blessed Mother that um, I'd have, you know, there's you a lot of people love to to combine going to see Saint Therese of Lisieux, and now we have. St. Louis and Zelie Martin, so um, Zelie. So I, I, I'd have to really ponder that. I, I think because I'm in Nevers and I love Bernadette, that for me would be that what I would recommend. But I think to each person, we're we're drawn to the to the, you know, to the place and the grace that's needed. So each one of these has a different um, aspect of spirituality. So I think for. For some are drawn in one direction, some in another. But certainly, if you came to France on a pilgrimage, there are so many places that you could go here, um, and each one unique in its own way. 
In my French travels, I've never been to La Salette or to the other apparition, Le Lau. Uh, have you ever been to those two places? I've been to La Salette. And, um, and I, you know, that's a very striking and strong apparition um, of Our Lady there. And uh, that's, and that's, that's up in the mountains. It's, uh, but, it, you know, I find also too, it's like little breadcrumbs. You can follow it. You know, if you leave Paris and you come down to Nevers and then you go down to, you know, for Sacre Coeur, um, which is right down the road, the apparitions of the, of the Sacred Heart down there and uh, and then you go further down you hit you know, hit ours and saint Jean-Marie Vianney and you could go by Las Lettres. there's almost like these little trails of, of pilgrimage journey that bring you to all these different places so um you know but I Las Lettres was very striking my husband jokes that I was in the fetal position sucking my thumb under the front seat because it's up the side of a mountain as he was driving but um so he jokes with me that but it's um it's a unique site and it's it's an out of the way place but it is definitely worth the time and travel to do that if it's possible you've mentioned uh earlier in our conversation about a website lourdesvolunteers.org that's where you can get lourdes yes. water uh, are there yes. other websites that are pertinent to your own ministry uh in france and, and with uh the hospitality that you do for pilgrims with our lady of lourdes well that's it and i i, I didn't plan on mentioning it but i just think if some people are listening about miracles of lourdes water that we've, you know, we want to give a way to be able to get that water and um, so we're we're happy to share that with people that's part of our ministry we're we're volunteers we're not you know um i'm not a paid person we're we're just there to try to share this grace because it's had a profound impact on so many people we know that we want to share that with others and um so it's just lords volunteers that's who we are so some people feel interested to go and help others some you know are are trying you know crying for a way to try to bring their child or their spouse or whoever it might be that um grandparent whatever that that needs to go and oftentimes we find it the sick person really is bringing us to lords and Lots of times we'll have people who are very, very ill and they're saying, I'm really here because I'm worried about my daughter or my son or my wife or my husband. So, um, you know, it's just fascinating how our Lord just calls us in a great, he's always wooing us to, he just really is. And Lord's is a great place, of, you know, to, to really find peace and to deepen our faith and, uh, or discover it. I mean, some people come, they're not Catholic or they don't know God. And I ask people who aren't Catholic, can I ask why it is you've come to Lourdes or why you go? And they'll, they always come pretty much with the same answer, which is it works. You either come here and find peace or you you get cured, but it's the most peaceful place. It's the, the holiness here. They just feel drawn to it. So um, there is, they're just, you, you've been there, Father, and I don't know about your listeners, but. If, if the opportunity was there, I would say take it. It's just, um, it might seem out of reach, but with God, all things are possible. And uh, your book, Everyday Miracles, uh, is available from Sophia Institute Press. Any place else people can get the book? Well, I know it's from the EWTN Religious Catalog. It's oh. through them. And um, I think that's, I, I think there's, you know, Amazon online and um, some other ways that, you know, I think Barnes and Noble. So, so there's different places to get it. And, um, you know, we just hope that it really inspires people and, and shares with them that we have an awesome God and the gospels are not just 2000 years ago. 
these um, these incredible graces continue today and they're real and the people are real. You can read about them and see their picture and, and you know, if, if the different places we're going to be going to speak with the book, you can come and meet one of them. Yeah, and if uh, you need a little faith lift in your own life, if you need inspiration, uh, I think these stories and the stories, the stories of God's miracles uh, really can help affirm someone's faith and deepen it and bring them to a new point and maybe even seeking the intercession of Our Lady. And your book can do just that for anyone who picks it up. So thanks so much, Marlene, for joining me today to talk about it. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much.